This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We have to wait for the camera. Good, camera's good, okay. So, this week's parsha is about the Moraglim. And there's a lot of psychology that we can learn from everything we know is in the Torah. Um, so, a lot of things that we can learn from this parsha. We'll start off with so, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Hashem and says to Hashem that Klai Yisrael wants to send Muraglim spies into Eretz Yisrael. So, thank you. So, Kodesh Baruch says, for me, you don't got to send spies. I know. It doesn't matter who's there, how strong they are. It makes no difference to me because I'm God. Right? Um, well, we find that the whole story of the Muraglim where they spoke Lashon Hara on Eretz Yisrael, and because of that, we still have Tishabah, we still are in Golas, we still have the base of Mikdashan. For 40 years, everybody died. Came right after the story of Miriam. In the end of Pajma Loischa, right? So it talks about Miriam. She was, um, she was talking to her brother, and she didn't understand why Moshe Rabbeinu was separated from his wife. Why well, you have to get separated? Maybe because he was a Navi. So when Hashem gave him the Vias, he couldn't be with his wife. But they were like, we don't have that problem. Miriam said, I'm a Naviya, I don't have that problem. Aaron, you're, I didn't get separated. Aaron, you're, you're a Navi and you didn't get your kind God, but you're also a Navi. You didn't get separated. So why did my brother have to get separated? What she didn't know was that they always knew beforehand they had to go into, um, not a coma, but some kind of unconscious state to get the Nevias. So they made sure that they were dressed correctly, they were in a holy place, they washed their hands, maybe they went to the mikvah even beforehand. Whatever, they were in a holy state of mind that they could get Nevias. So they had a chance to separate, but Moshe Abenu, Hashem just showed up to. Out of nowhere. He didn't, he didn't get a chance to prepare himself, so he could never be with his wife. Because maybe he'd be Tameh, maybe he'd be in the right. So they didn't know that about him. So she said to Aaron, like, what's up with Moshe Rabbeinu? Hello? Right? So Hashem said, no, it's different. Moshe Rabbeinu's not like the Mikol basing them on who? I talked him mouth to mouth. I don't, I don't, I just show up. Right? And a clear vision. No, no, the captain of that you get. So, she spoke Moshe her and she got Saras. And the Jews waited for her seven days because she waited for Moshe Rabbeinu. Her mother told her just take the take the basket and put the baby in the Nile. She didn't say, tell her to watch what's going to happen. She stood there and watched what happened. So Mida Kedegi Mida, will have to wait for her. Told the Tzaras went away. And then right next Pasha, these guys are going to talk to Moshe You just saw Miriam at Tzadikistah, but she had Tzaras for seven days. She's Chuslamachina. Why aren't you guys careful with what you say? You, you didn't take Musa, right? Okay, maybe they didn't know they knew that you couldn't talk bad about a person, but they talked bad about the land. Also, we know that when you, when you give Musa to people, they're, they're always like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, for them. But for me, I'm different. I'm different. You know, everyone's like, I'm different. I can watch videos and it's not going to affect me. I'm different. I can listen to this music. Ah, I'm different. It's her as big two words are. I'm different. I'm different. She's different. That's different. The word different is very big. It could be that the, that the Moroccan felt, okay, you can't talk about a person, but when you talk about Eretz Yisrael, you're talking about a land, you're not talking about a person. Okay, anyway, 
So these people that were picked, Kulam Anashim Rashim they were all very holy people. How, how did they fall into this talking bad about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's land that Hashem said, Erezavat Chaludvash, right? How could they, um, how could they fall for that? How could, how could they, how could they come back with such a bad report? So, there's many different Vatoras on this. And I always talk about how we can take something that's so wrong and in our heads, twist it, right? And, and make it so right. So, they felt that when they were in, in the Midbar, when they were in the desert, they didn't have to wash their clothing. Their clothing, they, you just put, stuck it into the, into the Anat HaKavod, into the cloud, and it came, they, they totally rationalized it, and, and it came out clean. Water, they had the Be'er. So they didn't have to, they didn't have to do anything for water. Food, they had the Mun. So really, what did they do a whole day? What did they do a whole day? They didn't have to go to work. They didn't have to plant any fields. They didn't have to build any houses. They learned. Sat and learned a whole day. They were learning the Torah they just got. They were learning it. And Moragam said, if we go into Eretz Yisrael, everyone's going to stop learning. You have to make fields. You have to make reservoirs. You have to dig wells. You have to build houses. So Lishma. For Hashem, in the name of Hashem, that's why they spoke Lashon Hara. If that's the case, what did they do wrong? What did they do wrong? They did it Lashma. We don't want Christ to go into Eretz Yisrael. They're going to go into Eretz Yisrael, they're going to stop learning. They're going to be busy working. They did it for God. Rationalization, when a person rationalizes something, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that they're rationalizing. There's a reason that they're making it right. The Moragam had something very big here to lose. What do they have to lose? They have to lose that once the Nasim, these people who were Nasim, would come into Eretz Yisrael, Yoshua would be the leader. There would be no need for Nasim, and they'll lose their jobs. So being that they were the head of each tribe, they knew that the minute they came into Eretz Yisrael, they would lose their Nesiyas. So they were what we call Nogea Bedava. In other words, they had a reason not to want it to go into Israel. But, you can't get up, this is a little bit of my shit tonight, you can't get up and say, I'm a bad guy, and the reason I don't want, I'm going to tell you one Lush and Har about Israel, it's Israel, is because I don't want to lose my position. So the Yitzhahara automatically turns into like, we call it a from a Yitzhahara, a religious Yitzhahara. No, that's not the reason. Reason is not because I'm going to lose my job. The reason is no one's going to learn Tyra. Baloney. The reason that you're saying that you saying that the reason is because no one's going to learn Tyra is because you don't want to lose your job. So when we rationalize, there's always something deep down behind that rationalization. I, I spoke a lot. I was just in uh, the reason I wasn't here last week because I was in Belgium. Well, the last couple of weeks I've been all over the places. I spoke a lot, and my main subject matter that I talked about is that we have to stop working on the what, and we have to start working on the why. 
In other words, um, in anything in your life that you're struggling with, focus on why you're struggling, not on the struggle itself. Because if you fix the what, you don't fix the why. But if you fix the why, you fix the what. Rabbi, what are you talking about? Why, what, where, who, what? So, the physical world and the spiritual world and the emotional world are all mirrors of each other. So, if someone comes to a doctor, I talk about this all the time, and you have a headache, and it gives you Tylenol for your headache, your headache gets better. The next day you have diarrhea, so it gives you chaopectate, and that gets better. And then the next day you have fever, so he gives you Motrin, and that gets better. And then you get a rash, and he gives you calamine lotion, or Benadryl spray, or Benadryl, and that gets better. And you're like, what's going on with me? Fever, diarrhea, headache, nausea, right? Every day we fix something, something else pops out. And the reason is because you have strep. And strep gives you diarrhea, a headache, a rash, and fever. The problem is that all these things that you're taking, which is taking away the symptom, is not killing the strep. So what happens is, the strep ends up, God forbid, it should never happen, but if you don't, if you don't give antibiotics to strep, it goes into your blood. And you get what's called rheumatism, whatever, and your joints begin to hurt you very much. You still don't take antibiotics, it goes into your heart, and if you still don't take antibiotics, it'll kill you. Strep can kill you. It'll go into your heart and kill you. Now, had the doctor not dealt with the what? What? Not that she has a headache or diarrhea or fever or a rash. But why? Why does she have all these things? In other words, I'm not asking why she came with a rash. Calamine lotion. Yeah, fever. Ah. He would have taken a strep culture. If we're taking a strep culture, he wouldn't have given her calamine lotion and caropectate and all this other stuff. He would have given her a bottle of amoxicillin or even easier, right? That's the six pack of, of, of antibiotics, the Z pack. And in five days, all those symptoms are gone. So you don't want to go to a doctor who's treating your symptoms. You want to go to a doctor who's going to treat the disease. My father was very sick. He had cancer. So I went with him to the doctor, and they did a biopsy. He had a lump in his throat. They did a biopsy, and the biopsy came back that he has esophageal cancer. But the problem was, they didn't know how to treat it because the cancer cell came from somewhere and ended up in the esophagus. So it didn't originate, they could tell from the cell, that it wasn't an esophageal cell. It was a cell from somewhere else that ended up in his esophagus, which caused the tumor. And being that they didn't know where it came from, they didn't know which chemo to use to treat it. It wasn't, a, it wasn't from the esophagus. They didn't know if it was from the liver, pancreas, lung, prostate, bladder. They, they didn't know where it came from. And it was the type of cell that, I don't know the word, there's a word in science, that they could not tell from the cell where it came from, so they didn't know how to treat it. So they couldn't kill it, because they didn't know how to treat it. They didn't know where it was coming from. So it wasn't the what. It wasn't the tumor they were worried about. It was the why. Like, why does he have a tumor? Where is it coming from? Cutting, they said cutting out the tumor is not going to help because it's coming from somewhere else. 
so it metastasizes. So it's all it's traveling through the body, and once that happens, it's very hard to cure. So you you need to know the source, and if you fix the source, if you fix the source, then all the symptoms go away. And and I was in a big big hospital. I spoke about this to a lot of therapists, and I'm trying to get that because many times in therapy they're treating the they're treating the anxiety and they're treating the eating disorder and they're treating the depression. Uh uh-uh. uh You need to treat where that's coming from. So giving giving medicine for depression, right, which helps the depression, or giving medicine for the anxiety, as long as the person's on the medicine, it'll help them. But after a while, the body gets used to the medicine. You got to take it up. It has side effects. They got some ISO. Why is she anxious? Where's the anxiety coming from? Where's the depression coming from? Where's the eating disorder? coming from and if we could figure that out then we could fix that then it goes away but if you fix the addiction you don't fix why the person's an addict in the end the addiction is going to come from somewhere else you have to figure out the why so the moraglin came back with a bad report the what was, oh my gosh, they're giants, the food, we can't do this, we're going to lose, oh my gosh, right? But Kleisho should have said, that's the what, why? Why are you coming back with such a report? We, we just came, how could they not ask why? We, we just came out of Mitzrayim, right? The biggest nation, the biggest, they were the strongest nation in the world, we destroyed them. Then we came to the Yamsuf. We saw Hashem swallow everybody up. Then we came to Harsinai. We saw all the way to the Kisha covered. We saw the Malachim. We saw the fire. We saw the Torah. We heard his voice. We couldn't take it. So, so, and Hashem said, go into Eretz Yisrael, Eretz, Zavaz, Chalavudvash. Right? Now these people are coming back and saying, no, we can't do it. We're going to lose. We're going to die. Oh my gosh. And they're like, huh? Like, we just came out of a triumph. We just killed the biggest nation. We went up against Amalek, wiped them. We, we destroyed them. We went up against the Mitzvah, Hashem. We, we saw God. God saying not to worry about. So the Jews should have said, hold on a second, man. What's this business? Why? Why are you coming back with this report? Oh, maybe you're losing your job. Maybe that's what's behind it. No, they didn't ask the why. They just listened to the what. When you just listen to the what and you don't know the why, you're in trouble. That's what happened over here. It's anything in life. And, and the problem is that we in our generation, we don't have time to figure out the why. So we're very busy with the what. So it's like fast, just put a band-aid on it, just take it. Why? Why does this kid have fever? Where's the fever coming from? Taking Tylenol doesn't get rid of the fever. It gets rid of it for four hours. The Tylenol wears off. You got 103, you got 103 again. Well, you got to figure out, is this a virus? Is this, you know, if it's the flu, then take the medicine that, that they have for the flu. If it's, if it's, if it's, uh, what's it called? You need antibiotics, take antibiotics. you, you got to take care of the, of the wine, not the what. So, like, I went, I had some dental work, whatever it is. The doctor said to me that I want you to take my antibiotics a day, two days before I start my dent, your dental work. I'm like, why? I'm not, I'm okay. He says, because... We understand that in the de- after the dental work, you can get an infection. But this way, we prepare your body for the infection, so it's already loaded up with antibiotics. So there's a cheshven in there. But a person has to, when they work on themselves, when they're trying to figure out, like, like, why am I acting like this? Not that I'm acting like this. Why, why is this girl? Why is this girl from a regular, normal, from family, being with Shabbos? 
I just had a crazy situation where, where a girl came to me. She's in therapy for two years. And they're giving her, they, they're giving her, they're loading her down with, 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 um, what's it called? ADD medicine. She was on Ritalin, didn't work. She was on Concerta, didn't work. And they're giving her all these different medicines. It's not working. So they're like, parents are thinking, you're not trying hard enough. And, oh, they're giving her such a hard time at home. It's not normal. And, and I, and I sat down with her and she's in therapy for two years. Psychiatrist is giving her all these, all these meds for ADD. And I sat down with her. And I'm like, okay, I asked her parents, how was she in seventh grade? It's great. Eighth grade? Great. But when she came into high school, something happened. She wasn't friendly anymore. She stayed in her room. Her marks dropped drastically. So I'm like, okay, let's do the graph. And we did the graph, right? You know, second grade, third grade. So I'm thinking to myself, she's ADD. Why wasn't she ADD in eighth grade? Like, why did she start getting ADD in ninth grade? If you're ADD, you're ADD. You're ADD. In sixth grade, in seventh grade, in eighth grade, you can't sit, or ADHD, and you can't focus, and you could pick that up when a kid's very young. So, so I have this graph, and I'm like, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade, boom! Ninth grade, the graph goes down to the floor. So I'm like, the beginning of the graph is unimportant. The end of the graph where she is right now on the bottom, that she's not doing anything, she's not keeping Shabbos, She's in a room, she's depressed, she has no friends, she's doing zero work in school, and they're pumping her up with all this medicine, right? So I'm like, you need to focus not on the bottom, not on the what that she's acting out, but on the why. So where's the why in this picture? Girls, where's the why? It's not here where it started, and it's not here on the bottom. It's where the graph went from here to here. So she comes to my office, I don't know her, she sits down, I look at my graph, and I'm like, where'd you go to camp when you, when you graduated in eighth grade elementary school? Where'd you go to camp? She tells me where she went to camp. I'm like, okay, what happened in camp? She said, who told you anything happened in camp? I'm like, well, you see there's a huge dip in your graph from when you left elementary school, you came back after camp a very different girl. Something happened in camp. You don't just change from an Aleph student to a Dalit student. And from a girl that's happy and has friends to a girl that doesn't want to leave her room. I'm like, you don't have to tell me. You could, we could end this session right now if you want me to help you. I'm not asking you anything except I want to know what happened in camp. Who hurt you? Look how hard something very bad happened. An older girl, whatever, did something very bad happened in camp. So, it wasn't ADD. She's not ADD. This is already two years later. She's already a 10th grader. So, it's not ADD, and they're, they're, they're punishing her, and they're angry at her, and they're pumping her up with all this medicine. Of course the medicine didn't work. She's not ADD. And it wasn't ADD in 8th grade. She's not ADD in ninth and 10th grade. She wasn't ADD, so the medicine's not going to help. She went through trauma. Bad stuff. Like, really bad trauma happened in camp. So, they all missed it. So I called the parents. I'm like, uh, you need to know that what happened. And they're like, what? what? Like, How could everyone have missed it? I don't understand. Two years, we're giving her medicine. I'm like, because everyone focused on the what. She's not coming out of her room. She's depressed. She's not doing well in school. I'm like, of course she's not doing well in school. She went through all this trauma. You can't be a survivor, and you can't be a student and a survivor at the same time. It doesn't work. 
So when you see a kid in school who was a great student, not be a great student, instead of saying lazy, you know, what happened to you, you're not interested anymore, teenager, hormones, no, no. Things don't change that drastically. So you have to be asking, not what, not what do I see the behaviors, why? All you need to do is to look at where it happened. Once you know where it happened, you pretty much know what happened. You don't, it's not that hard to figure out. So now, she's not on ADD medicine because that's, you're wasting your time. It's not going to work. You're giving, you're giving aspirin for someone who has strep. It's not going to take the strep away. You need an antibiotic. You need a strong antibiotic. So over here, when the, when the Maradim came back, Kaisal should have said, you guys are the tzaddikim and cholesterol. Why? Why are you saying this about Eretz What do you have to lose? You must have something to lose. Because if you don't have anything to lose, Hashem said it's good, it's good. But they, they didn't do that. They just listened to the what? They're giants. The cities are huge. People are dying. Look at the fruit. It's a land that eats its own people. It's to the what? So today in seminary, I was talking, this is my last day in seminary with the girls. I'm like, girls, you got to stop focusing on the why, not on the what. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. Right? Okay. Why? What makes you anxious? What are you scared of? What happened? Were you always anxious? All of a sudden you got anxious in 10th grade? You got anxious at 17? As a kid, you were never anxious about anything. You got up, you were the speaker, you are the valedictorian, you talked in front of everyone. Now all of a sudden, you're scared to even walk into a, or sit in a room with other girls. It doesn't just happen. You just don't wake up one day and I'm anxious. It doesn't just happen. Something happened and we need to go in there and we need to find out what happened. I heard an unbelievable voice someone told me this week. On this week's parasha, everything in psychology, everything in our world that we live in is all, is all in the Torah. So, Part of being the spies, they had to look at something very interesting. It says like this. What was the commandment? What, was, what did they have to spy? So Moshe sent them out to spy the land. He said, go to the south and climb the mountain. See the land. How is it? And the people, that, is it strong or weak? Are they few or are they numerous? Okay. Is the land good or bad? Now here was a big question he asked. Are you ready? And how are the cities in which the people dwell? Are they open or are they fortified? Do they have walls? Or do they not have walls? What, what is that? What's, what, 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 was Moshe Rabbeinu, what was Moshe Rabbeinu asking them? When they came back, what did they say? They said, Right? Um, I'm sorry. Right? But the people that dwell in the land is powerful. They're very powerful. And they're very great. And we saw we saw that they're giants. Okay, hold on. They gave a very bad report on Earth's Israel. It's an interesting thing, because what it says in the beginning, Moshe Rabbeinu asked them if the, if, the, if the cities have walls around them, or they don't have walls around them. 
What does that tell you? If they have walls or they don't have walls around them, right? Because if they don't have walls, if they don't have walls around them, then the people are very strong. In other words, they're not, they're not scared. I don't need a wall to protect me. You try to mess with us, we're going to wipe you out. If you have huge walls, that means the people inside are scared. They need big walls to hide behind. We said, I was telling the girls today that in real life it's the same thing. People who have walls, they have no self. They build these walls to protect themselves. They don't want to get hurt. So they're very, they're very, they're very sensitive. They're very soft. They're very vulnerable. People don't have walls. People can talk about their stuff. They're not vulnerable at all. They wouldn't be able to talk about this stuff. So people who build, who build walls are weak, and people who don't have walls are strong. Many times when I, I, I was just in, in, in Belgium, in Antwerp, so one of the things I did is I spoke to all their psychiatrists and psychologists in a room, and I was telling them a little bit about my life. And the Europeans, the Europeans don't talk about nothing. Everything is very well kept quiet. So I'm sitting in this room, and I'm bearing my... What I did in third grade, what I did in first grade, what I did as an adult, all the things that I did wrong. And they're all sitting there like, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying this. Like, what, right? And so at the end, they came over to me and said, like, that was so brave, the therapist, it was so brave of you to put your life and make yourself so vulnerable to us. I'm like, I wasn't vulnerable, not even for a second. What do you mean? I'm like, I'm, I'm very, I don't have walls. I'm very secure with who I am and what I am. So I don't, I don't, I wasn't vulnerable. I don't have walls. There's no, I, I could talk about anything about my life. I don't have a problem with it because I think I'm healthy. I, I don't, I didn't build, I didn't build these walls, but people who build walls, I was telling the girls today that when you go through trauma, so it's very hard to talk about your stuff. It's, it's very scary. So, Many people, whatever they went through, they, they sort of lock their emotional closet. They don't, that's it. The problem with locking your emotional closet is that the same way you're protecting yourself from getting hurt, you, you can't have a really good, loving, emotional relationship because the closet's closed. So there's a, there's, a, there's a negative to it. Even though you went through the stuff, you don't want to talk about it, so it's locked, and you don't want to get emotional, because you don't, you don't want to open the closet and all your dirty laundry is going to come crashing on your head because you can't handle that. At the same time, if you don't open your emotional closet, you can't give the emotions that you want. The Holocaust, the children of the Holocaust, our parents, the Holocaust parent, the regular Holocaust parent, was, was pretty cold because they, 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 they lost their families. And, and they had to close their emotional closet or they, they wouldn't be able to lie. They wouldn't be able to live. They wanted to go on. Now they have more children and they're thinking that, you know, if I get close to the child, I might lose him too. So it was very hard for them to get very close to their kids, Holocaust parents, because that closet is close, so there's a price to pay. So, so to open it up in one shot and have everything on your head, no good. Sometimes in therapy it happens, and, and never the girl, it, it's much worse than, than she should have just kept it, you know, she, the therapist opened her up, and now, like, she's bleeding, so to say, emotionally, and you don't, if you don't stitch, stitch that up, the person's gonna bleed out. So, a therapist has to be really good and very professional to open that trauma. Because when you open that trauma, if you can't close it, you're in trouble. At the same time, as, as people, we are our best therapists because 
No one will ever know you better than you know yourself. What it takes a therapist 20 years to know about you, it's only what you want to tell them about you. But there's some stuff about you you're not telling them about you. So the best therapist is yourself, if you can. Spend time, and that's, that's going inside yourself, and that's meditation, and yoga, and all this other stuff is going inside yourself, and looking at who you are, and looking at your good stuff, great, and looking at your bad stuff, also great, because if I look at my bad stuff, I can fix it. So it's not, it's not, it's not that it's going to make you depressed or anxious if you look at the stuff that you're weak at, because like, that's what I'm weak at. You know, I, I, I was telling you that I was, that one of the best things I ever heard is that 75% of success it's, it's failure. You, you can't really succeed in what you're doing unless you fail and you learn from your failure. Right? When you do a lab test, this test didn't work, this test, okay, change that, change this, change this. So you get it perfect. When you build a car, this, this you, there's many times you change, change. My, in my, even in my, in the ranch that we did, we opened up, we did a three month model, we looked at what worked, we looked at what didn't work, we changed it. Then we opened a two month model, we looked at what worked, we, looked, we changed it. Now, Baruch Hashem, we're in a place where we, from our failure, from our, from our mistakes, we, we learned how to fix it. And without that, so they, everyone told us, all the big places that we dealt with told us that, Eric Wallace, it's going to take you a year to get this right. And I was like, what are you talking about? You get it right, right away. No, you can't. There's, there's a learning process. So 75, 70, 75% of your success comes through your failure. And, and you see that in real life, because before a kid, a kid doesn't start walking right away. He falls, he falls, he falls, he falls, he falls. Oh, took a step. Fell. Oh, took five steps. Fell. Ah, oh, walked across the room. Fell. No, nobody, nobody is successful immediately. Right? You ride a bicycle. If you don't, if you don't have, uh, elbows that are all scraped, you, you, you don't, you're not, you still got training wheels on there. You, you're gonna fall off that bike. You're not just gonna ride the first time. That's how Hashem created the world. That's how, that's how you get to perfection. The way you get to perfection is through, it's through falling. So a person who spends time with themselves, and not on their phones and busy with everybody else, but wants to really be better for themselves, they can open that closet where there's a lot of pain and just a little bit and just take out some dirty laundry and then close it. And then some, take out some more dirty laundry. All of a sudden you can open the closet, there's no more dirty laundry in there. That's when you can open the whole closet. You know, there's a machlekes. I remember we had this discussion once in school, you know. To have loved and lost, is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all? Right? It's two sides to this, two, two sides of the table in this argument, right? Better to have loved and lost, but Hashem, you love, but you lost. It's very painful. The other person's like, why should I go through the pain? So, I'd rather to have never loved, never lost, never loved. So I remember sitting in this discussion. They went back and forth. Everyone was like, trying, you know, why should I go into pain? It's not, it's not worth it. The gain is not worth the pain. And the other was like, no, you don't understand. You know, at least at least I loved. Even though I lost, at least I loved. You never loved. It was a constant machlekes. So I, thought, I was listening, and I thought about it. I said, anyone who says, better never to have loved at all, never loved. Never understood the feeling, never had the feeling. Because it's like saying, is it better to be rich and lose your money or never to be rich at all? So the guy who was never rich at all would say, better never to be rich at all, what do I need to get? But the guy who was rich was like, he had such relationship, he had good food, so at least he had a time where he had something good. I hear right, he lost it. 
and it's painful that he lost it. But there was a time when he was a, sitting in business class, first class, and he was going to the best restaurants. Yes, you're right, he lost it, but he had that time. But the guy that's, who, the poor man will never say that. The poor man will say, but I never had the money. I had the money and I lost it. I never lost the money, so I don't feel bad. It's because you never had the money. But if you had the money, and you went, and all you had, all, so, so a person who never loved feels like, what do I need to pay for? But a person who had that emotion, who had that feeling, even though I lost, and even though it's painful, at least I had that feeling. So that's sort of the, 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 the argument. So when you, when you put those walls, I told the girls today, when you put those walls, you start building these walls, and you don't want, you don't want to be vulnerable, so you don't want anyone to hurt you. It's great. Who wants to get hurt? Right? But at the same time, you're keeping the bad out, but you're keeping the good in. The same wall that keeps the bad from hurting you is keeping your good in that you can't give out to others. Are you following what I'm saying? The wall that you build is keeping the bad out. They can't get me. I'm not vulnerable. But at the same time, what I have to offer, I can't give. There's a wall in the way. So it's the same idea. Better to have loved the Lord than never to have loved at all. It's the same, it's the same idea. So here, Mashabeno said, if there's no walls, oh my gosh. They're very powerful people because they're not scared at all. If there's big, big walls, then they're probably scared. It's the same thing in people's lives. It's, it's, but it's work. And, and it's got to be done. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a therapist because there are therapists that are, I know some of them, they're superstars, they're surgeons. Their mamash can, can help open up a person and close them up. And then open them up and close them up and mamash heal them. And then there's some very young ones right out of school that don't have the experience yet and they're like, so tell me what he did to you and tell me what happened. And, they, and the kid's like opening up and, and then all of a sudden the kid's traumatized because you had this thing all hidden and, and when you have it hidden it grows. So this little thing they put in the closet all of a sudden this big huge helium balloon comes flying out. And they're not ready for it. So be very careful. When a person does it by themselves, slowly, little bit by little by little, get to know yourself. Nobody knows themselves. Get to know your strength. Amazing to know your strength. And get to know your weaknesses, because one day your weaknesses will become your strength. Because the things that you make mistakes on, that's what teaches you what to do right. But you got to spend time with yourself, and you have to think, and you have to appreciate what you are, and appreciate what you have. Because everybody's special. You wouldn't be, if you're not special, Hashem doesn't make duplicates. We wouldn't be God. God why would God make a duplicate? Every, everyone's an original. Everybody has a different fingerprint. So, if you're not a duplicate, it means that you have something. All these billions of people in the world, each person has something another person doesn't have. Say, so right, Watson, how could that be? There can't be so many different things that a person can have that another person can have. Oh, yeah? There's no two people that look alike. We all have two eyes. We all have a nose, a mouth, two lips, hair. So how is it possible if so many people have the same features that no two people look alike? How is it possible? Right? Right here, eyes, nose, ears. You have billions of people in the world, and no two people look alike. So, again, the Zaya says that the physical world mirrors the spiritual, emotional world. So, if you could have 20 billion people in the world that physically have the same features, and none of them look alike, and you have 20 billion in the world that have the same emotions, and no one has the same emotions alike, and 20 billion people have the same spirituality, right, the spiritual beings... They could talk, they could think, they could hear, and they're all different. We're all different. And if you were, had nothing to offer, 
he wouldn't be here. He, do, he doesn't, doesn't need a duplicate. And that's why never try to copy someone else. Don't live with someone else. Because your whole, the whole thing of a human being, that you're not an animal, you're not a fish, you're not a bird, is your individuality. And we are destroying that. We all want to be like everybody else. I want to dress like her. I want to look like her. You know, very sad what happened with this, this spade, this designer. But you see, she had everything. And everything. It's, it's, people don't understand that. She was, right? And she hung herself. Like, they don't understand that. She's the third one in the last, two, in the last year or two. Designer, world-famous designer that hung themselves. Because that's not what brings happiness. That's, that's pressure and anxiety and this and that. That's not what brings happiness. That's an individuality. And she was a, an individual designer, whatever it was. She sold her business, but it, we see that that's not, that's not what brings happiness. Actors, you know, some of my fav- my favorite actors killed themselves. I was a little boy. I'll never forget. I was a little boy. It was one black and white show that would played, I don't remember the, on Thanksgiving, I think, that I never missed. And that was The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz was like the best, it was black and white. The, 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 the one that they watch now, they colored it in after the, when they made the movie it was black and white, now they colored it in, whatever it was. And Dorothy was my like princess, like, Dorothy was, there's no place like home, right? And then I remember when, when, when she, she killed, she killed the, the, the actress, right? Committed suicide. And I remember when I heard about it, I told my mother, it can't be. Cause Dorothy was Dorothy. And she had the magic slippers, and she was surrounded by her friends and 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 Toto and and all the other good things. And like, and my mother's like, she's an actress. She wasn't Dorothy. There was no real Wizard of Oz. I was a little kid, and 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 I couldn't understand because even though she acted out all that inside, the the what right, the what everyone saw, the what was an actress. The what was the Wizard of Oz? The what was Dorothy? But the why was a person that was very empty. That didn't have a life. And some of the greatest rock stars and the greatest movie stars. And, and, and. But did you ever hear of a Gadol Hadar or a Rebbe who committed suicide? Never. Go through your whole history. Never. Go through the whole Gemara. Yes, Hannah jumped off a building because they wanted her children to all serve avoid the Zara. That's not what I'm talking about. That was the Kiddush Hashem. Did you ever hear of a rebel hung himself? Or a Tzadik Gadol hung themselves? Never happened. Because the why of who they were is Kedushim, was Tyra. They were happy. A palm, you look at him, he lit up the room. Was he a movie star in Hollywood? Did he design handbags? Was he a rock and roll star with millions of people wanting his autograph? No, he was, he was a tzaddik who learned Tyra. He's not hanging himself. Never, ever, 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 that when I grew up, did I ever hear of a rough who hung himself. No such thing. All these movie stars, rock stars, movie stars, even, I mean, listen to the news, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the big. Was Presley and all these people? They all they, they, because there's no. It's, it's not. It's not real. I, I was a little kid. I didn't understand. I was like, but, but it's Dorothy. I was like, no, it's not Dorothy. 
She's an actress. I'm like, no, but she she beat the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm like, ma, I can't be. She's like, no, she's an actress. She wasn't Dorothy. I forgot her name. I'm trying to remember her name, who the actress was, but Lisa Minnelli's mother, whatever, but I forgot her name, but she died very young. She wasn't happy. Our kids today, they think that, that this stuff brings happiness. Tyra brings happiness. If you ever met the Gedalim, or Moshe, or Yaakov, he sat down in a room, I had, I had a Rebbe of Herschel and Ispinka. He walked into the room, no matter what pain, no matter what he was, no matter what pain you were in, you walked out of that room happy. He was like, Shalom Aleichem, he would smile, was like a malach. It was like warm, it was like, even in athletes, the same thing. The biggest ball players, Super Bowl rings, they die with nothing, zero, suicide, drunks, drug addicts. The world was watching them in the Super Bowl, and, and, and 15 years later, they're nothing, because it's not real. A Tyra? I never, I never heard of a God all that. And I, and I, they were beautiful people, inside and out. They were, they were lit up, they were, they were loving. They were, that's what Tyra does to you. That's the why. The why, why, why is Rapam? Why was he like that? Why was the Chafetz Chaim like he was? Because of the Torah. The Torah was what, what made them, and they were happy. They didn't understand. There was a very famous story where there was a very, 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 very poor man, and the only thing he had, only thing he had in his whole house was a broken chair and a table with three legs. And somebody came to this big tzaddik and he said, I'm not happy with my life. I don't have money. Whatever it is, you know, you 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 want to appreciate what you have? Go to this guy's house. See how he lives. So he came there, and the and the man said, "Why why are you knocking on my door?" And he said, "The God told me that I should see, you know, how poor you live, and I'll appreciate how I live." He says, "Poor? I have everything. I have a table, I have a chair. What are you talking about? How the I was talking about? Like, poor? I'm not poor. I have what I need." That Mishnah is totally lost. What does that mean, Semech Bechalka? What does that mean? You're happy with your chalik. Why does it say you're happy with your money? You're happy with your chalik. It means that I'm an individual. A chalik is a piece. You have a cake, you have ten pieces. Each piece is an individual. So, Semech Bechalka means I'm happy with my piece. Why am I happy with my peace? Because it's my peace. So I, I don't want what you want. I don't want what you have. I don't want what you have. I want what I have. Because I'm the piece of cake. I don't care about the other eight pieces of cake. What I have, I'm happy with. My peace. Why? Because the peace is individual. Peace is an individual. I am happy that I'm an individual. I don't have money. I don't have whatever it is. It doesn't matter because there's something special about me. Because if there wasn't something special about me, I wouldn't be on this world. Because God doesn't make copies. It's not like, okay, Miriam, we'll make a copy. We'll make Sarah a copy of Miriam. He doesn't, he doesn't make extra pieces. There's no extra pieces. I looked a long time ago. I, I, I didn't have patience to make models. Some of my friends used to make model airplanes, model battleships, whatever it was. And, you know, so I learned a long time ago that I have two left hands. Because every time I tried to put something together, there was an extra piece. I was like, why did the company send an extra piece? Now, when you finish making something... And there's an extra piece means you did not follow instructions. There is no extra piece. There's never an extra piece or there's a piece missing. 
you got to take it apart. Do the instructions again. And also, oh, it's not an extra. It goes over here. Hashem knows how to make the model called the world. No one in this room and no one in this world is an extra piece. So when you think like, oh, he doesn't need, I'm an extra, you're not an extra piece. It's an exact puzzle. And a puzzle that's missing one piece is worthless. You can't frame it. No one's interested. You, you know, Ma, look, I did the whole puzzle, but there's one piece missing. It's like, oh, I'll get you a new puzzle. Right? Hashem created a puzzle. Every piece counts. The corners count, the middle counts, the little piece counts, the big piece counts. Because when you have a puzzle that's missing a piece, the whole puzzle is worthless. So when you think to yourself, ah, what can I do? I can't do anything. If you couldn't do anything, you wouldn't wake up in the morning. The reason you wake up in the morning is because you could do something. Because you are an individual. Because you are different. So you got to start taking the walls down. Because if you take the walls down, if you don't take the walls down, yes, you're safe, maybe. Yes, you're not, no one's going to hurt you. But at the same time, you're not going to be able to help anyone either. So you live your whole life, nobody hurts you. At the same time, you didn't, you didn't help anyone that's hurting. Is that worth it? So you need to start taking the walls down. Little by little, you can't take them all down at one time because then you're going to get really hurt. Little by little, wall by wall, layer by layer. In, th- in therapy, they call it, she has a lot of layers. Okay. So you can't take all the layers down at one time. You can't open the closet every day. One piece at a time, one piece at a time, little by little. And the way you do that is by spending time with yourself, me included. Uh, I don't have every day a perfect day. Sometimes I make huge mistakes. Like, why didn't I listen to that person? Why didn't I call that person back? She's in a lot of pain. She sent me a text. Why didn't I call her back? You were busy. Were they really busy? Were they too busy? Could not have given a minute? I beat myself up. And they're like, oh, wow, I had a great session with this girl. I think I really helped her. Great, Zachai, you did well, Zachai. You messed this one up. And you're talking to yourself, but you're talking to yourself internally. And you know what? Tomorrow when I get that text, I'm going to call her back. But if I don't spend my time trying to figure out why I didn't call her back today, when she texts me tomorrow, I'm not going to call her back. So the, the failure, the, the 75% of failure, it brings you to the success. Instead, we just get depressed, and we get anxious, and we take a couple of pills, and, and we go to talk to somebody, but we, did, we, did, we, we, we fixed the what. We didn't fix the why. Fix the why, you fix the what. Fix the what, you don't fix the why. Pasha Schlock talks about walls. There's one more thing, we'll end with this. I talk about it every year, but it's very, very important. I just quoted actually to some Mormons. We were talking about self-esteem. And they're very, they're very big into scripture. So we, I was talking to them. I'd like to show off the Torah a little bit. So they're, 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 first of all, okay, two more things. Very short. Number one, I always talk about the Yetzirah. Yetzirah always comes to you, right? He never tells you to do a bad thing. He starts off with a little good thing. And then, you know, you, you need the, you need the internet to learn the das, you know, and then he'll come to you with all the other stuff you shouldn't be looking at. But he doesn't come to you and say, here, buy some internet so you can look at porn. Chas Rashaam, the guy's going to be like, well, are you crazy? I'm a tzada, I don't do that stuff. So he doesn't do that. He always comes to you to do an Avera with a mitzvah first, you know, slowly. I want to tell you what the Miraglam did. Listen to what they did. We came, this is how they opened up to the Jews, right? They're about to badmouth Eretz Yisrael, Rosh and Hara. They're going to cause us that everyone dies in the midbar, that every tissue bubble we're going to suffer, destruction of the base of Middash. Everything happened from this, right? They're about to destroy us. 
But they don't get up and say, the land was bad, we shouldn't go, because the Jews would have said, oh, 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 what's up with you guys? Listen to how they open up the discussion. Everyone's listening. We got to the land, the Jew guys sent us to, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you got to say? The gums up called the bush. He. It's, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. They opened up with a positive comment to get the Jews' attention. Pizapiria. And, 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 and this is the fruit. And then they started, but you need to know, yeah, this is the fruit, but the people that are living there, they're strong, and then they, they took us apart. But they didn't open up with a bad report. They opened up with a good report. And the land is Erez, Everyone's like, everyone took their guards down. Everyone took their walls down, right? Everyone took their fences down. Oh, they're going to talk good about it. So then they, boom. Kalev did the opposite. Now that they talk bad about Eretz Yisrael, and he's going to get up to speak, right? So if he's going to start off with a good co- with a good comment, they're not going to listen to him. So listen to what he says. He flips it. And he says, by Yahas Kalev, where does he say it? By Yahas Kalev. How do he get them quiet? What does Rashi say? He he started, it sounded like he's going to talk Lashon Hara about Moshe Abenu. So they started to listen to them. His tick is cool about Moshe. The Shmuel Madiba of Moshe. That's what they thought. They were going to say that, that Ben Amram did this to us. So they started to listen. He did the opposite. He started off, it sounded negative. They're like, okay, we have, oh, you're going to talk Lashon Hara. Oh, good, let me hear. And then he turned around and said, the, the, they lied. We could, we could capture Eretz Yisrael. So the Eretz always opens up. You've seen this terrible thing. They didn't open up. They, they knew if they're going to open up and say, the land is bad, the Jews wouldn't have listened to them. They're like, no, it's Eretz Zavachalud Vash. Oh, really? But, that but. You know, it's like by Shidduch. You know, they're telling you about the guy, and that butt shows up. He's the best guy in yeshiva. Yeah. And he's really good looking. Yeah. But! You're like, oh no, what's the butt? There's always a butt. First they open up with all the good stuff, and then comes the butt, and you're like, but he's not machal, but he's machal Shabbos. Oh, we have a problem working on it. He's working on it. He's growing. He's growing. There's that butt. That butt is like murder. So that's what they did here. They, they opened up and they were like, Eretz Zavachavudvash, what Hashem promised us. But the people are dying and the people are this and the people are that. And once they were listening, they got them. A good speaker sometimes opens up with a good joke. I don't do that because I found out that most people have different senses of humor. So you're going to say a joke, this side's going to laugh and this side's going to look at you like you're from Mars. So I don't do that because you never have in a crowd, everyone who has a sense, sense of humor, especially when you go to Europe. I didn't crack any jokes in Antwerp. I was like, no, I did that in England, and it did not work at all. Because they don't, they don't know American humor. They're very different than us. They're like cynical humor, and we're not cynical humor. It's different humor. They're looking at me like, so I'd say, that was a joke. Laugh, like a big sign, like laugh, right? So, so I, I don't make jokes. But yeah, that's the opening. The opening is like, wow, you're amazing. Like, it's fantastic. Like, and they're like, oh, really? And then you can start talking to people. If you compliment them, they're listening. If you start off yelling at them, they're not interested. It works.
So the last thing I want to say is, not the last thing I want to say, but the last thing I want to say tonight, not the last thing I want to say tonight, but the last thing I want to say at the shear is as follows. See, I'm trying to be funny, you're not laughing. So that's why you don't do humor. There's one girl in the back foot that was funny. Okay, you see? Everyone has a different sense of humor. So, Christ was listening to this whole story. Giants, and we've been able to do this, and they're not freaking out. They're not panicking. They're good. They're listening, okay. Been through Mitzrayim, been through the trenches, been through the war with the Amalek. You're not scaring us. Right, but then they said something. And they said, We saw the giants. Now, you have to remember, these are the leaders of class. And they're like, in our own eyes, we were grasshoppers. And that's how we were in their eyes. Now, how do you know what you were in their eyes? They're a bunch of giants. And Rashi even said that they heard the giants talking about the ants in the grass. So why are you saying that, that, you're, that you're a grasshopper? You don't know what they think of you. And the answer is amazing. That the Pusik, what they should have said to Klai Israel is, I think compared to the giants, we were grasshoppers. They said, in our own eyes, we're grasshoppers. What you think of yourself is what you project to others. So what they said over here was first, we felt like grasshoppers, therefore, probably, in the giant's eyes, we're grasshoppers. What you think of yourself, that's what you are. And at that point, Clydesville cracked. Because when their leaders got up, they gave a whole report, the land, the giants, all that. Okay, okay, we can do this. But then they said, we as the leaders... We can't do this. We're a bunch of little grasshoppers that the giants are going to step on. When the leader said that, the Jews said, well, if you feel you're grasshoppers and you're the Nisim, we're done. So the next Pasek, they fall apart. They all, they all started to panic. They all started to cry. They cried the whole night. Hashem said, you cry tonight, you're going to cry every Tishim of night. So, we see from here that what you project you are, what you think you you think you're a champion? You think you're a champion? You're going to be a champion. You think you're pretty? You're pretty. No matter what you look like. Let's make a difference. Your projection, right? Because pretty, who knows, who knows what's pretty and what's not pretty? Who decides what's pretty and what's not pretty? The person has two eyes, a nose, and a mouth, right? Who decides this and that? Who, who, who made that decision? Everyone's pretty to Akash Baruch Hu. You, f- you feel pretty? You are pretty. You feel good? You are good. You feel strong? You are strong. You feel weak? You can be the strongest guy in the world. You feel weak? You're going to act weak. You feel you have self? You're going to walk around with self. You feel depressed? You're going to project to everyone else you're depressed. It's how you feel about yourself is what you project to others. So when they got up and said, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that, the Jews were like, okay, been there, done that. Mitzrim had all that stuff. Biggest weapons, biggest sorcery. But they said, yeah, but this time, it's not like in Mitzrayim. This time, we feel like little grasshoppers. They're like, what? You feel like grasshoppers? So we're done. We're finished. If that's how you feel, how are we going to go to war? That's when class felt panicked. So it's very, the, the war part of not having walls and how you feel about yourself. This parsha 
of the Moraglim talks a lot about how a person needs to work on themselves and feel about themselves so that they don't fall into this hole of the Moraglim and also to understand that your decision sometimes is based on a bias because it affects you. And my, my favorite story, I don't, I'm not saying it tonight with the cupcake, because she hurt me, she did it to me. So once it becomes personal, whatever your judgment is, is not going to be good. And that's why halakhically judges, if it's anything personal, they're not allowed to be judged. So if, you're, if someone's coming in front of you and it's your son or your daughter or any type of relative at all, you can't be a witness. Why? Because, because you're a bias. What do you mean I'm not biased? I'm, I'm going to look at the story. It doesn't matter that's my first cousin. No, you're biased as your first cousin. If you're biased, you're Nagab Badava, you can't. So just that you can't be a witness in court, you also can't judge other people when there's a bias there. So you need to go into yourself and say, why don't I like her? Why don't I really like her? Because she got engaged and I'm not engaged? No, no, she talks Lush and Hara. No, 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 it's not because she talks Lush and Hara. Because you have other friends that talk Lush and Hara. Why don't you like her? So it's not the what, it's the why. And you, you, have, to be good, you have to be big enough to go into yourself and say, yeah, it's not the Lush and Hara. It's like, you know, she just rubs me the wrong way because she has this and this and I don't have it. Okay, so now you know why. So you have to work on your midah of not looking at what other people have and being an individual. Ezu, right? It's Sameach Lechalko. Ezu Asher, who's rich in emotion? Who's rich in spirituality? It's not money only. Who's rich in spirituality? Who's rich in emotion? Right? Who, who's, who's rich in, in money? Sameach Lechalko. That I understand. I'm a chilek. I'm not the whole cake. I'm a chilek. I'm a piece. I'm an individual. When you cut a cake, they're not all exactly the same. Right? Especially, I just had a, uh, a birthday party for my grandson. He said, I want the piece with the flour on the cake. That's a different. And then another piece has a word, has, has one of his letters. And the other one wanted the one with the chocolate thing. And the other one, right? So it's a mech with chalko. When you're happy with your piece, which means you're happy with, different translation, when you're individuality, then you're spiritually healthy, you're financially healthy, Right, because whatever you have is 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 what you need, right? And and you're emotionally happy. And the problem with us many times is we're not emotionally happy because we're busy looking at everybody else's peace. We're not. I'm not happy with my individuality. I want to be like her. Again, Hashem doesn't create copies, and that's a, that's a big thing. That's a telemalukim. It's a big thing that we walk around and that Hashem echad and I'm echad. There's only one of me. There's one of him. There's one of me. That's the godliness of a human being. Fish are not. Fish are a school of fish or a herd of cattle. Everyone in this room is different. And that's what makes you godly. Because godly, God is different. There's only one of him. There's only one Miriam. There's only one Chani. There's only one, my mother always says, Baruch Hashem, there's only one Zechai Wallstein. Because if there was more, she wouldn't know what to do. So, I threw the mold away. But seriously. So it's, it, it, it gives you a responsibility because if there's only one of me and I'm only going to live once, I need to do something. At the same time, it, it gives you a, it gives you individuality, and that's that's asha, that's richness, that's that's value. That I am, I was, I got up this morning, which means to Hashem, I'm special. Because if I wasn't special and I wasn't an individual, I wouldn't have woken up this morning. So you should be. That's why you say modani in the morning. You get up. You should be excited about life. You shouldn't be depressed. You should be laying in bed like I'm depressed. What am I going to do? I'm having a hard life. If if I, if I if there was nothing for me to do and there was no gain. I wouldn't have woken up this morning. If I woke up this morning, that means that there's something I can do. So, Bezrat Hashem, we should all Bekarai, 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 go back to Eretz Yisrael, Erez Zavachalu Dvash, 
and Taka build the the Bayashlishi, and there should be no more Tishabov. Tishabov should become a Yantav this year, Mitz Hashem. Instead of in, in this room, me giving a Shir Tishabov night, I'm a Kayan. We'll give the Shir in the in the Ezra's Noshim in the base Hamikdash. B'Karayv. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.